The following is intended for mature audiences only. Welcome to Altitude Adjustment. Good afternoon. I'm Leon Davis, and welcome to Altitude Adjustment. It's 2 p.m. Central Time on June the 4th. And welcome to a really great day here in St. Louis. Uh, I'm glad you could join me. Um, today's topic, I'm going to talk a little bit about freedom, um, uh, free speech versus freedom of speech. Now, um, so, so I, you know, watch a lot of um, commentators and, and um, I don't even want to call them analysts, uh, you know, people that analyze news, to talk about news. And there are a lot of, you know, with the cost of being able to, to buy a camera and stream going down, there's a lot and a lot more of it. So I watch as many as I possibly can um, because a lot, a lot of people have a lot of good information. And um, I try to expand from the traditional uh, sources like the, the major networks. Um, I, I try to listen to them too. Um, because they're a part of the whole puzzle. Now, one of the commentators that you know I have listened to is uh, a person called Kim Iverson. Uh, she has her own podcast. She's been in, in um, I think she was in local news in her area where she was, and you know she's she's continuing that trend, and now she's on a show called Rising on the Hill dot com. And I've, you know, I'm not picking out Kim to uh, isolate her as a problem or anything, but it's just something that she said that got me to thinking, which is why I put decided to put this show together. Um, uh, I have found that um, many times I have agreed with some things that Kim has said, and of course I'm not going to agree with everything. And so I, I think she's honest in her presentation of the information that she tries to present and that she does her work to make sure that she's doing the best job that she can. And I don't find her to be, um, um, you know, tending to be salacious or uh, intending to um, tell people how to think. And I think she just presents the information um, as best she can and then leave that rest to the people. And I think she's really good at what she does. But she um, made a comment on a, um, a show that I had recently seen and it got me to thinking uh, she believes that no speech should be censored that even um, if you yell fire in a crowded movie theater that that is acceptable and I thought um, what she's really referring to is not free speech it's it's freedom of speech. Now, I understand that that may seem like a very subtle difference, and that's the whole point of language is that there is nuance there. And there are a lot of people that are going to, many times you'll hear people conflate free speech with freedom of speech. And so I going give you my definition of freedom of speech and free speech because when I talk to people, that's those categories that I 
um, have defined as far as speech goes in informing the decisions that I make and the, and the way that I talk about things that are happening in the, the world around me. And you know, for those people that don't like labels and that, those kinds of things, labels actually give us a way to identify something. Everything has to, in order to be identified, in order to be an object of a conversation or an object of an idea, it has to have boundaries. It has to be, you know, you have to understand what are the characteristics of it, and then you can talk about the item. So, so boundaries, so under, giving um, a title to these or a label to, you know, free speech versus freedom of speech allows for identifying the different types or forms of speech. Um, so, so, and then, you know, speech is uh, music, it's movies, it's, um, Oh, I don't know. Uh, what else? Uh, I said music. It's you know words. So those are those are what constitutes speech. Is con con when you convey an idea from one person to the other one, that effectively is speech. Technically, it's communication, but um, it, but speech is communication in a, in a form. So I'm not just talking about um words. I'm talking about the whole concept of communication. Um, and so there's definitely an argument you made there that um, I really should be limiting it to just words. Um, but anyway, free speech is protected by a formal system. So in America, free speech is protected by the legal system. In other countries, and other places around the world that may not have free speech written into a formal document um, that, you know, certain words are protected. You know, it could be the military that's um, enforcing free speech. Freedom of speech is not necessarily protected. It is words or have there is no formal okay or um, prohibit prohibition to the words that's freedom of speech in free speech there are words that are protected that are allowed that are useful um, that are designed by by the group to be able to use as a communication in a freedom of speech environment all words are protected, basically. There is no words that are not um, acceptable within that context. And part of my argument is going, uh, basically the, the gist of my argument here is going to be about, you know, um, is free, freedom of speech good for the development of mankind or groups? So, so first, uh, I have made um, reference on many occasions, I think during this podcast, that I think communication is the most difficult thing that we do every day. Um, and I ran across this um, 
video, which it, it was intended to be funny, and it was. How you doing, Fred? Expression. Oh, yeah, expression. Okay. Um, so the video was intended to be funny, and I found it funny, but it, it made a point that I thought was absolutely excellent. It, it showed the real, some of the real difficulties, some of the n- typical nuances in everyday conversation. So let me cue that up. Alrighty. So I am using this video under the fair use doctrine. Um, it was, I found it on the internet, of course, and uh, I will put in the show notes um, the person that created the video, it is not my intent in any way to uh, pick on this particular individual or, you know, the people that are involved in the video. It is just to uh, display what I see as w- what is a typical situation. Excuse me. Sir? You talking to me? Uh, Doug. Doug Anderson, right? Uh, yeah. How... Do we know each other? Yeah, I'm pretty sure you're the father of one of my children. Are you the stripper from Billy's bachelor party? There's no way I got you pregnant. I'm Miss Sutherland from Pioneer Elementary School. I'm pretty sure your son is in my first grade class. Sorry about that. I gotta go. See you at school. Okay. So, give me a second here. So this is, I think, a typical situation where uh, somebody's talking. So this, the original sender, the young lady, um, you know, reach, starts talking to the guy and she uses, she didn't say all of, you know, that, hi, I'm uh, Miss Sutherland, your, your son's. Uh, teacher, um, you know, how are you? She basically uh, made assumption. I, it appears she may have made an assumption that he recognized her and that, you know, if she started talking to him, it would at least jog his memory if he didn't. So she was in that place. And so she didn't add all of the extra. I'm the Sutherland. Um, and you're the father of one of my children. You know, you're, you know, I have your son in my class. So the person, the, the guy, um, he's in a different headspace. He's his, he's thinking of something else. He's got something going on in, in his life, and he's thinking about that. And so, when he doesn't recognize her, <coughs> excuse me, when he doesn't recognize her. And, you know, it's what she's saying seems to um, connect with whatever it was that that was in his mind. He then uh, just responded based on that that information. Okay, so now she has to come back. And and as I mentioned, uh, communication is an iterative process, meaning, you know, you say something, the other person says something. And then you recognize that, you know, they, they do or don't recognize what you're saying. 
And so you say something else to clarify that, and then the other person responds. And so then she comes back and she explains the situation, and of course he moves on. But that to me shows the typical uh, communication struggle that we have as humans is that the person that you're talking to is in a different place than you are when they're saying things and doing things. And so that brings about um, a unique challenge of how, you know, do, do you understand what you're saying? It wasn't that the things that she said were necessarily deceptive. It was that, you know, a reasonable person would say those, that's what she said. And a reasonable person um, could, you know, in the case of the gentleman, you know, um, be in that headspace that he was in. Um, another, you know, offtake of that is, let's suppose it wasn't necessarily this conversation, but uh, the, the person that you're talking to says something to you, you don't recognize what they're talking about. You don't understand they've said something um, and you're thinking, I'm going to fake it until she says something or he says something that I recognize. So the other person's thinking you're understanding them. And so they're formulating their next words based on the fact that they believe you understand what they're talking about. And you're creating, you're uh, giving words back to them to, dis to make them believe you understand them until you can get to a point where uh, you do understand what they're talking about. And that whole conversation, you know, becomes uh, a difficult situation because it is quite possible you could walk away from that situation and not have understood what each other was talking about. Because the person that's, you know, talking to you doesn't, is assuming that you understand what they're saying, what they're talking about. And so they continue to use uh, terminology and words based on that assumption. And, you know, when you don't have that connection, there's actually, you know, a miscommunication going on there. And so um, those are normal situations that happen to us each and every day, all day long. Every time we talk to someone, they're in a different headspace than we are. And, you know, the things that we say, we assume they fully understand that. And I've made reference to, you know, uh, going to the cupboard and getting a cup. Um, you go and you get the wrong cup and it's because you've assumed that you understood. So um, that, you know, is where communication is extremely difficult. Words, speech has consequences. Now, Speech has consequences, and we don't, part of the problem with not understanding each other is that we act based on what we think rather than trying to clarify and, and fully understand each other so that we can try to build something. So recently, and I, there, was this, there was this article, and, and I'll give you an example of what I'm trying to, to say here. The, the, there was an article, I can't remember where it was, but it was the Supreme Court blocks Texas social media law from taking effect. 
So the U.S. Supreme Court uh, on that Tuesday, I think it was Tuesday earlier this week, blocked a Texas social media law from taking effect that intended to punish online platforms for removing political speech. The Texas law bars Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and other social media sites from blocking content based on a viewpoint. Governor Greg Abbott maintained that he was um, a, that this was a justifiable response to a dangerous movement by social media companies to silence conservative viewpoints and ideas. So the, him and the people that are passing this law is in the headspace that, that the effort to, to combat misinformation and different disinformation, and, and you'll understand that statement a little better as I continue down, um, they were in, under the uh, idea that they are battling for their political lives because they believe they're being unfairly targeted and attacked. So as I said, um, uh, Abbott believes that the social media companies are trying to silence conservatives. Well, a federal a judge temporarily halted state officials from enforcing the law, saying that it likely violates the First Amendment. But a divided panel on the Fifth Circuit U.S. Court of Appeals allowed enforcement to proceed. Now, there are big tech company uh, interest groups like NetChoice and the Computer Communications Industry Association. They filed an emergency request to block the law after the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit overturned the lower court ruling. The groups argued that the law would force tech platforms to leave up everything from Russian propaganda to neo-Nazi and Ku Klux Klan screeds. The groups maintained that the Constitution protects their right to manage platform content, just as it provides a newspaper's publications decisions. Just it, it protects, I'm sorry, um, that it protects newspapers, um, publication of decisions. So a newspaper, you know, um, have, has editorial freedom about what goes on their platform. And so the tech companies are saying, you know, we should have that same editorial freedom. What I see here is a rush to legislate to solve one problem. As I mentioned, uh, they believe that, um, Republican, that the Republican viewpoint is unfairly being singled out and uh, discouraged. And, and uh, you know, uh, looking for words. Anyway, it, you know, that it's being blocked. So instead of having a conversation, having a longer conversation to make sure that the wording that that the laws that they were going to put into place addressed only that specifically targeted to solving that problem. They rushed legislation through that could open up Pandora's box. That's a, oh, so anyway, so they rushed through legislation that they believed 
was necessary for their point of view. If that if that goes through, and those and the and the worst of the worst hadn't happened, is that what they want to accomplish? Because they didn't they they didn't work as far as I could tell they didn't work with a, you know a differing point of views they didn't ask other point of views they didn't try to hone the law to to ensure that it did specifically what it wanted to do, what they wanted it to do, to solve a particular problem in a particular way. And that's all a part of communication. If you don't put enough um, details in how you say something, it leads for interpretation. And I, I just don't think that there's very many things that we can do in communication that don't have that particular, that isn't open to interpretation. But the concern is if we don't put in the work. So one of the things is that uh, I think a lot of people don't want to spend a lot of time being specific about the things they say. It's, you know, I should be able to say to you in as few sentences as possible what I want, you should understand it, and we should be able to move forward from there. But communication is a lot more delicate than that. And a lot of people don't see the nuance in communication. And so when they communicate, they don't put enough emphasis on making sure that the words that they're using convey the message as much as possible that they're trying to achieve. And what can happen is, is that we can have greater damage done by that lack of effort into being specific because other things can, you know, uh, get around that law. And of course, there are, you know, there's always the idea that people are going to try to go around the law no matter how specific you are. But that's not, but the, the, the fact of the communication then becomes a tantamount. So, so the idea is in understanding that um, communication has an impact. And if all words are free, and, and I, I'm going to get into a little bit more about um, how I see the um, free speech versus freedom of speech uh, being more of an issue. Um, so, so now that, you know, we, I, I've at least explained to you why I see, uh, you know, ex, ex, ex speech as a problem. So let's, let's talk a little bit about an example of freedom of speech. So now that you understand that I think freedom of the speech means speech that's unregulated. So you are, um, you go to work. Now we have to be at work. I mean, there's just, uh, we tend to, to make, you know, we don't help people who don't work. Uh, or we make it extremely difficult for them to get help 
um, you know, if they if they're not a healthy, able-bodied person. So we force, so we make sure that work is, you know, the driving force behind you doing what you do every day, being able to eat, being able to live, you know, being able to wear clothes, things like that. So you have a coworker, let's say you have a coworker that constantly berates you. constantly berates you now you can say let's that's a bullying problem and so we don't have to legislate words we just have to legislate bullying so You legislate bullying and the person says uh, to another person, every time I say, um, you are green today, that means fuck you. Okay. There are other ways to use words in a harmful and hurtful way. You are captivated by the fact that you have to work. I don't know. You could be in a community where you don't, there aren't a lot of jobs. And so there aren't a lot of opportunities for you to work someplace else. You can't always move to a different place uh, to get away from bullying, to get away from people using hurtful language. I mean, we could always, of course, tell people, you know, toughen up, be tougher. Um, but that's always putting it on the victim to, to solve the situation and not on the perpetrators of the problem. In the case of, you know, the, the, the coworker, um, that coworker is intent upon making the life of the, the person that is the target miserable. And they use words, of course, they're probably going to use other actions, you know, doing things to disrupt their ability to do their job or to just get them back and forth to work, you know, maybe impeding their progress in some other way. I, and so, um, but the thing is, is that by controlling the type of words that you can use, you know, words in can cause as a factor, you know, how you express an idea, what you say is a factor in how people understand what you're talking about. It's, it's, and I'm having a little, you know, I, I, I see the nuance as I'm talking. And so um, what I'm trying to do is, is, is make clear how I'm trying to discuss this. So in the case of, let's say, fire in a, in a crowded theater, um, yes, the people in the theater could go, I'm not going to panic. I'm going to walk. And then, 
you know, someone yelling in a crowded theater, fire, would probably not kill anyone. But, but you don't know the headspace that people are in when you say or do something. So you yell fire in a crowded theater. Someone is thinking, I am in a place where I can't quickly get to an exit and I don't know where the fire is. I don't know the level of danger that I'm in. And so I have to be expedient in my exit from this situation. So the, the event is going to cause harm for doing that, especially if there's no fire. So to justify that as free speech, that it should not be regulated, ignores that the situation has more impact or more uh, variables that make harm more likely. And so regulating that and not allowing a person to yell fire when there is no fire helps protect people who may be in a different headspace. Um, there are people who are sometimes challenged we have all, you know, had situations where we're, we're challenged on a particular day where we're just not there all and all the way. And so we respond, um, uncharacteristically towards words or someone's actions. Um, and I had it, uh, oh, anyway, so, so allowing someone to keeping someone from, you know, um, second here, because I have this idea keep popping in my head. Of course, well, here it goes. <laughs> oh, uh, here it is. So by by protecting people from that, it is not about controlling people's thoughts. It's not about controlling people's behaviors. It's about protecting citizens. And so some words probably, you know, have to be controlled, such as uh, in advertising. Um, you can't say that a product does something that it doesn't do. You can't say that a product um, you know, we'll save your life. Uh, we'll stop the coronavirus when that is not true. It may seem that you're um, just controlling the behavior, but it's that it's that speech, your ability to make that statement that has to be um, regulated. So, so part of freedom of speech and a part of uh, 
word. I don't want to call it management, a part of understanding how to um, regulate uh, parts of speech that are harmful, you know, is, is, is includes, you know, behaviors, but it also includes the speech. It also includes the, the ability to make statements that are, that are, that are going to cause harm. And um, so that was part of, you know, what, what I had, the difficulty that I had with the, the free speech, freedom of speech argument. Now, um, you can't, we can't make everybody want to be a good person, want to be constructive. You know, our, our speech is about helping each other to communicate and understand and, and to share ideas. And those ideas help, you know, build that arch behind me and those, those skyscrapers and the skyline you know, it took everybody working together to be able to get that done. And with the number of opportunities for miscommunication, the more miscommunication that we allow, miscommunication with intent to harm and, and intent, and I've talked about intent before, Intent is, is a, in a lot of cases, very difficult to discern. You know, did, did the person yelling fire in the theater intend to cause harm to the people in the theater? Understanding that if I yell fire in this theater, that someone will get trampled, that someone will get hurt. You know, if my intent was to do that, you know, how do you, how do you regulate intent? Regulating intent becomes virtually impossible. So you have, you can only, you're only left with regulating the, the situation and, and, not allowing someone to say something that will cause harm in a, in a situation is the only mechanism we have in that, in that paradigm, in that area, is the only mechanism we have to try to ensure the safety of every individual and allow every individual the opportunity to pursue their form of happiness. I get that there are people who believe that they should say, be able to say anything and absolutely everything that they want. Um, but words have power. Words have, they aren't, they aren't just words. They're not, they're just, they're not inanimate objects. They're not just something that you can put out there and that doesn't cause 
harm or doesn't actually help build things. You know, try having, try achieving something, accomplishing something without using words, without using pictures, without using music, without using some other form of communication other than the person visually seeing you. And then it, then you understand the power of words. It clarifies the message. When you have a message that's clarified, then things can move forward in a more in, in a better way, in a faster, more productive way. If you if your intent is to be destructive. If your intent is not to build up, but to tear down, words are probably the fastest way to get that done. And the reason I say fastest way, because in some instances when you, a lot of instances when you try to physically uh, create harm and destruction, you can be restrained. If words are not restrainable, if Words are not, if we're not allowed to um, restrain words, then there, the, you're, we're taking away tools that we use to help build a better place. The, the recognition is that there are people who just have no intention, you know, of helping certain people or working with certain people or you know, building a better community. Um, and, and, you know, every, every person can probably refer to us back to a situation where, um, you know, they've been in close uh, working relationship with somebody that they didn't care for. And then, you know, how do you handle that? How do you, you know, are you going to be destructive and, and, you know, impact the whole team negatively because of the one person that you're trying to get at. Um, and so I'm just saying that, you know, to, to show that the power of words is about more than just the individual saying them. It's not, it's more than about just the individual that's performing the words. It is about the ability of us all to live and work together. And, you know, how, how do we ensure part of that is that we, we make sure that, that the tools that are used, you know, are used for good. And, and then, it, of course, it's going to come down to, you know, what is good who decides what is good. And that's, that's a community thing. So, um, so again, I, I just, you know, I, I think, you know, hopefully I've made a good argument for the difference between free speech and freedom of speech. Freedom of speech, you know, empowers the individual to be more destructive 
not saying that they will always be more destructive. In a lot of cases, that freedom of speech allows for a different type of communication. There are benefits to freedom of speech. It, it helps people to be less constricted within themselves and to be able to say and do things in a more personal way of how they choose to express themselves. Um, the only thing is, is that it also increases the potential for harm by, you know, there, there, whatever system you put into place, there are trade-offs. There are positive and negative trade-offs. And the idea is to try to get as maximum benefit as possible with the least amount of um, harm to the system and to, to everyone's ability to live within the system and flourish. Um, it's just that, you know, I, I can see, uh, you know, in the case of like this Texas law, um, the rush to, to do things without involving, you know, as many people as possible, as many ideas as possible, the language is going to be limited. It's, it's, it's going to leave open interpretations and it's going to leave opportunities for fraud and abuse um, because we don't talk to each other. You know, now that you, you can look at our uh, political discourse and you know, it's, it's unbelievable the amount of the lack of inclusion with each other to have that comp to have those conversations, to try to um, find solutions that more people can live with. Um, and so, and so I'm not, it's how we use words, the way we use words um, to, to try to help build something. Uh, so I think, I think I'm going to uh, stop right there. Um, yeah, I want to go over my, my notes and make sure that I have covered everything that I wanted to cover. Alrighty. Yep. I think that's going to do it for this week. I thank you for joining me, Fred. I really appreciate it. Uh, I'll be back next Saturday, uh, coming up in July. So I think the last show before the break is June the 25th. So that's three weeks, four weeks from today. Uh, so we got three more shows. I have three more shows between now and the, and the 25th, and then I'll be off through the month of July and to, into the second week of August, which will be the 20th. And yeah, the taking the first two, two weeks of August off. So I will be, the last show will be the 25th of July. And then the next show after that will be the 20th of August. So make sure wherever you find the podcast, you leave comments. Um, and I appreciate any emails, uh, your thoughts on, on, you know, free speech, 
uh, in freedom of speech. There are a lot of people that uh, put the two together. I tend to like to uh, break them apart. I've given you my reasons for that. Have a great day, and I look uh, to have you back next week. Thanks. That concludes this episode of Altitude Adjustment, and thank you for listening. This podcast is streamed live on YouTube and Twitch.tv and is designed for listener interaction. Visit the website, thelionsdenstl.wixsite.com forward slash home to join the discussion. The audio version of Altitude Adjustment is available where you get your podcasts, including Stitcher.com, the iTunes Store, and the Google Play Music Store, to name a few. Remember that the internet is powered by your likes, shares, and comments. So please like, share, and comment on this and other episodes of Altitude Adjustment because it matters. And as always, look out for the other guy because they may not be looking out for you.